Nor Can I podcast for single women considering solo motherhood by donor conception. I'm your host, solo mum and life coach Mel Johnson, and every week I'll be asking my guests their view on dating, relationships, societal pressure, and how to make the final decision that solo motherhood is the right path for you. This week I'm joined by solo mum Claire. Claire is the joint MD of a recruitment company based in the Northwest, where she lives with her gorgeous one-year-old daughter, Ruby. So Claire, thank you so much for being a guest on the Stalk and I podcast. Um, I'm trying to remember how we met, actually. How did we meet? It was a meetup, I think, wasn't it? Yeah, it was um, a group that I was part of called Fertility Buddies. Um, so when, yeah, when I was trying, um, I got introduced to the group. So I think that's how we met. Yeah, that's what I love actually about this community though. Uh, I've met so many women via Instagram and then meetups and, and all sorts. So um, I think that's such a lovely part of this community. Um, so yeah, do you want to just maybe give a bit of an introduction about yourself and where you currently are before we sort of head back to the beginning about what led up to your decision? Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so I'm um, Claire, I'm 37 years old. Um, I have a 11 month old daughter called Ruby. Um, I, for in terms of my job, I'm a sales director and co-founder of a recruitment business, um, along with my brother. So set that up about 12 years ago. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment. How did you have Ruby? What treatment did you have? So I started um, with IUI um, and obviously total, you know, this is my own opinion. Um, hindsight's a wonderful thing and, and maybe um, certainly if I did it again, I'd go straight to IVF. But I started with IUI. I had um, kind of two lots of three rounds. Um, so effectively six rounds of IUI, um, which were obviously all no's. Um, and then I moved on to IVF. So Ruby is first round IVF but um, third attempt. So I got, well, seven eggs originally, hope the detail's okay, but seven, seven, seven eggs, five embryos, three survived. And my first and second attempts, which were the better quality embryos, because that's how they do it, um, both failed. Um, but the third and final one worked, which was Ruby. Um, and just because I know that people who are listening will be interested, why do you say that you would go straight to IVF now? Um, I guess when I kind of had all my initial tests, I knew I was going to be up against it a little bit. And when I had all my initial tests, a lot of things weren't on my side, but the um, consultant thought my age was because at the time I was about 34. So the advice to go down IUI um, based on my age based on it was kind of less intrusive from a drugs pro process and how that might affect me kind of physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I think, I think those were the main reasons basically. Yeah. Um, and cheaper, if we're being honest, it was cheaper. That is the other reason, um, a lot cheaper than IVF. So I did three rounds and I actually then changed the donor. As I said to people, I got bored of that guy. Um, so <laughs> I moved on to another that made the consultant laugh um so I did another three rounds but with different sperm and that still didn't work and I think yeah I, I think definitely with hindsight I, I should have stopped at the 
first three rounds. Um, yeah. But then, like I say, hindsight's a wonderful thing. And if I'd have done that, I might not have had a little girl. I wouldn't have had... So you, you just don't know, do you? Yeah, no. And I think once you've got your child, um, sort of all the rest of what your decision yeah, sure. go out the window a little bit, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Um, okay, so, so you said you were about 34, did you say, when you... Yeah. So what had led you up to the decision how long had you been thinking about maybe doing something solo okay so trying to kind of think back now um i i started to think about it properly um maybe 12 months before i pushed the button but the reality is i'm, I'm working it back now so my uh, my mum passed away about six years ago and before my mum passed away i remember kind of having conversations with her which were quite tongue-in-cheek at that point um to kind of say look if i've not met anyone i'll just do it on my own it, it's possible um and genuinely at that point it was an option um and look everybody's different every woman's different in terms of some specifically only want to do do it this way I'm not going to lie and say I was in that camp at the age of 10 years old I didn't think right I'm going to do this on my own as a, as a, mm. as a solo mum of course I suppose society gives you this image of which is still a nice image of mm. you meeting somebody and, and, and having a baby the conventional way um so of course I thought that that would happen um I, but I suppose as my dating life um continue to I would say deteriorate but it was never in a great way to start with so just continue to be unsuccessful um and I, I was in a relationship for about maybe 12 months which took us to maybe back end of 2017 and it was I think that relationship really which made me think um I can't just be with somebody um with the view of having a child with them that's totally the wrong reason yeah. so got myself out of that um moved into Manchester city centre actually and just thought right I'm gonna have 12 months um I lived elsewhere and rented my house out so thought I'm gonna have 12 months of not partying because I really wasn't very young and I'm definitely not now but just a bit of time out to think about what I wanted and for six months kind of you know obviously went out had a bit more of a social life there was lots of kind of events and stuff that we do with my work so yeah enjoyed myself mm -hmm. um but even during that time I was you know I wasn't actively looking everywhere I went but of course if an opportunity came up with a guy I would think right you know it's worth pursuing and it's this sounds the most ridiculous thing and people <laughs> listening to this might think it's hilarious but there were a couple of guys that I dated and I was like right and because I was so fixated on the fact that I wanted to be a mum and that was paramount to almost being in the right relationship I would think to myself can I imagine that person at the end of a bed delivering my baby or helping to deliver my baby not that they would be the midwife but kind of being there and then I was just like this is insane like to view a guy that way was putting so much pressure on myself because my body clock was ticking um I knew I had some medical challenges I'd been diagnosed with endometriosis when I was in my early 20s and I'd had just some other issues in that area shall we say um so I knew I was probably going to be up against it anyway mm. and I just I just felt so much pressure and the minute I kind of thought right I'm going to take this into my own hands went and saw my gynecologist went to see my consultant got the results which if i'm honest i kind of still had some hope that like my egg count and egg quality would be better than what they were but unfortunately they weren't and i remember speaking to my brother and the reason i spoke to my brother was because he's my business partner and the reality is running a business clearly going through the process of ivf and you know i had like i say nine eight eight no's in total before i got eight uh, yes yeah that's right so that's a lot of, a, of an emotional roller coaster mm. to go through mm. at the best of times let alone whilst you know trying to run a successful business with my brother so I kind of spoke to him and 
he was just, and I said, oh, maybe I should leave it six or 12 months. And he was like, look, we're never going to be, it's never going to be the right time. Yeah. He'd potentially be out of the business. So just crack on because like I said, time wasn't on my side. So the minute I made that decision and I knew what the state of play was with my egg count and quality and all the rest of it, I felt quite, um, it's a bit of a cringe word, but I felt, I did feel quite empowered because I was like, no, I've made a decision. I'm taking it to my own hands and I'm just going to crack on with it. Um, it did make dating then quite difficult. I don't know if you want me to go into that or not, because clearly dating couldn't really be on the agenda um, when I'm when I'm trying for a baby. You know that, that the two things just don't really go go together. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so I, I guess that's the background. So no, when I was little, did I think I'm going to want to be a solo mum? I don't think anybody does when they're ten years old. Yeah. Um, but as I kind of realised that I wasn't meeting the right person, which, if I'm honest, is partly down to probably my own fault and partly for other external reasons, then I just thought, right, let's prioritise being a mum. And I certainly wasn't ruling out meeting someone and, and I'm still not, but there's just no body clock on that. Um, well, not in the same way anyway. So yeah. That, that I reached the decision. And you said, so you said that you chatted to your mum sort of tongue in cheek about it. I, I did exactly the yeah. same. Um, what, what was her reaction? Was, did, did she encourage you? She wasn't remotely surprised. Um, and obviously what's sad now is that because she then passed away and yeah. she then didn't know that I was actually going to do that. But no, she wasn't remotely surprised. And interestingly, um, my family, like I remember talking to my auntie, which is my mum's sister. And um, me and my mum had some quite open conversations about all sorts to do with guys and whatever else. Um, it's just the relationship that we had. And um, my auntie, you know, obviously I don't have that relationship with my auntie. But yeah, when I told her, she was like, yeah, not surprised. Um, and, and so yeah, I don't know. Matter maybe, of fact. Yeah, and, and maybe they just clearly recognised that, yeah, my <laughs> dating life was a disaster. So you need to go and sort it out. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But, um, but yeah, I, I don't think people were surprised. But I think that's partly down to maybe my character and how I approach things that I, I don't know. Yeah, but it, I mean, I think it definitely makes it easier to make the decision if the people around you yeah. are like, yeah, you know, not surprised. Uh, rather than, I think some people tell their parents and they're a bit hesitant and, and yeah. that can make a decision harder, harder. but if you've got the support of your family um, then it can make it a bit easier I think mm. um, and nice for you to know that your mum was supportive of that decision yeah. Um, yeah, 100%. so that's yeah. nice um, and so then so how long did it take from sort of then having that chat uh, that this might be something that you do to actually finally then going for it so if, if we exclude the tongue-in-cheek bit with my mum, because I suppose then I wasn't on a path of it, I just thought, well, if it doesn't happen almost. Yeah. So I moved into Manchester in the March, and I think in the July-August time, I was like, right, I've cleared my head, this is what I'm going to do. Um, went to have some tests, and um, then started in the September, so pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. I, I, I don't really mess about with anything. I'm <laughs> <laughs> Once you've made a decision, that's it. It's yeah, happened. yeah. And did you have to work through any stuff yourself about making that decision? Like, was it an easy decision to make? Relatively. Um, I suppose I was in a position financially where I knew I could support myself and, um, well, my child, now Ruby, obviously. Um, I knew my job was being in control of it myself and my career was stable. Um, I have the uh, advantage of, of the flexibility. So if anyone runs their own business, then that flexibility 
it's, it's, it is and it isn't there. It is there in that, no, I've not got a boss that I've got to say to. I'm going for appointments at crazy early times for blood tests, scans, and, uh, you know, as you know, Mel, like, it's, it's intense, isn't it? Yeah. And so, so that was easier. But then the flip side of that is, you in a business, you've got to keep it afloat. You've got 20 people to keep in work. Like, I am on it all the time, and the standards I set myself in life are, are I know ridiculously high. Um, so it, it, it's, it kind of swings and roundabouts from that perspective, but, but, I, but I knew I was able to support. Um, so... Yeah, so so I suppose those that was relatively easy. And then what I did think a lot about, I was trying to think about it practically as well. Yeah. And that's probably the bit that even when I was trying would often go round in my head. So obviously being a donor child, I wouldn't know the grandparents on that side. Um, Ruby doesn't have any grandparents, which is really sad because my dad died when I was really little. And like I say, my mum about six years ago. So that, that was difficult to accept. But then I'm... Um, fortunate in that I come from a big family I've got two sisters one brother 10 nephews and nieces ranging from now three to 19 so there's there's so many of us that I kind of felt that that was that was enough I do still feel guilty genuinely about the grandparent situation um again it was more the practical side of how am I going to manage with no sleep how am I going to do this all sorts of things that I thought about when Ruby goes to school as we were talking earlier I definitely like to overanalyze but I think you have to think these things through so when Ruby goes to school and if, I, if I'm if, if I am still single which I hope I'm not not just for support obviously but I hope I'm not <laughs> When Ruby goes to school, if I'm single and there's lots of mums in this position, well, what do you do with holiday? There's so many mm. things and there's only you to do everything and pickups and drop offs and the impact on work. So, yeah, I try to think of every eventuality, but you're never going to be able to think of them all. And no matter how hard you think it might be, you know, it is a million times harder. There's no getting away from that. But I did put some things in place um, yeah. Yeah. to help during those early months, um, which I'm really glad that I did. And I think um, I've done the same. There's only so far ahead you can look, isn't there? Because you're like, yeah. well, what happens in the school holidays? You, you're having that thought before you've even got pregnant. Conceive, like, got pregnant. <laughs> you don't conceive in that way, but yeah, got pregnant. Yeah. yeah. Um, and um, yeah, that sometimes you have to think, do you know what? I know that I'll be able to figure something out later yeah. down the line, but it is. Um, the other thing I think is, is I often compare myself and think, oh, it's hard for me because I'm a solo mum. But actually, if I speak to lots of my friends, they're not in that much of a better position anyway, if both, both of them are working. Yeah. They also have some of the same challenges. So sometimes I have to remind myself it's all parents that have these yeah, not I agree, yeah. on your own. Um, so what, what support network have you set up then? How, how have you managed? So when I, again, when I, God, I don't think I was even pregnant at this point, which is just bizarre. So I was thinking about it before I was even pregnant, but um, a neighbor of mine where I used to live had um, a nanny um, in the day. So she was a lawyer. She went to work. Um, and on the day she went to work, that lady called Becky helped her out. And Sarah knew that I was trying. And I kind of said, I just think in those early days from a sleep perspective, like I need my sleep. I am not good on, on minimal sleep. I know you're the same male. Um, I'm not good on minimal sleep. Um, so I had to find a solution. So I got in touch with this lady and, and Sarah had said to me, oh, like she really likes the kind of nannying bit with babies. I'm like, result, this could work. So <laughs> I spoke to Becky and I met her a few times um, 
I, I only met her when I was pregnant, but we were in touch before. And then when I got pregnant, probably met her like three or four times. And the arrangement we came to, to cut a long story short, was that she helped out two nights. So the setup that I had was, um, so financially, again, I had to make sure I had savings to accommodate this because it was a mm-hmm. massive additional expense. Um, so she came two nights a week. I think it was like a Wednesday and a Saturday from Ruby being about two weeks old to her being about three months old. Um, and a couple of friends kind of said, oh, but will it work? And she's your baby. And when you hear her, it'll be hard. But because Ruby would be in the spare room where Becky was in her kind of Moses basket, well, as soon as Ruby made a peep, Becky um, would instantly wake up. Um, and she was kind of obviously only light sleeping anyway. So I genuinely didn't hear. And the first night, because I had a bit of a rocky start, to be fair, I ended up having what was classified as emergency C-section. I'd been in labour for about 10 hours, but um, it wasn't emergency, emergency, but they needed to do it. And then I had a a hematoma as well. So I had to go back into hospital. So I was basically just a bit... um, fucked over to be quite bluntly <laughs> in terms of um you did say I could swear in terms of the c-section and all the pain and limitation the hematoma and the double pain and then doing it on my own it's like oh come on so I actually moved in with my brother for a few days um so he supported me came back here and then around about that time Becky came and did the two nights and that was an absolute godsend mm-hmm. um I, I I don't know how I would have coped without it um the first night that I slept through I was like this is the most amazing feeling um and obviously you've still got five nights where Ruby was up to start with like any baby three or four times and it is so hard but even now even though she's only still 11 months old I know it was so hard but it's not it's not enough to stop me from doing it yeah it's really hard when you're in the middle of it and you think oh my god will I ever sleep again and I think I was quite fortunate with Ruby in that after that that's why I kind of stopped with Becky after about three months maybe maybe four possibly um but she she's never been a horrendous sleeper um I would have liked her to have slept through earlier than she did. Um, she probably started sleeping through at about seven months, possibly. Yeah. Um, but she's never been awful. So even from like four to seven months, she was maybe up once in the night. And that then became manageable when you were used to that. So that was a sleep element. Um, my brother and my sister um, have been amazing. And they've got families themselves. So it's obviously hard. Um, but they've been really good and given me some some breaks. Um Again, everybody's different, but I don't want to inherently change the person I was before. I want to be that person and I want to be a mum. So before I had Ruby, I liked to have a good night out and to release a bit of frustration and to have a good time. And obviously I can't do that on a regular basis, but I wasn't doing it weekly before because I'm 37. Um, But certainly for me, um, pre-lockdown, I mean, lockdown's a whole different different story, (laughs) but pre-lockdown, I really needed to have that night and month so between my brother my sister Becky who now babysits so that was a great advantage of getting her to do the night 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 nannying because she now knows Ruby and will babysit as well so that's fab um and then also my sister's partner's mum um she just literally loves babies and children so I've got kind of four people that I can lean upon um when I need it, I suppose. So yeah, I, I I would have really struggled without that network, which on a serious note is what lockdown has shown me because for the first couple of months, it was literally me and Ruby. And as much as I wanted to be a mum, I didn't want to do it with absolutely no support network or childcare. So 
that that's obviously being tough yeah and I mean I say to people you, you you're not doing it on your own you're doing it without a romantic mm. partner but unfortunately lockdown meant that lots of people were yeah. doing it on their own which nobody usually signs up for you know usually we're saying we're doing it with a support network around us who may not happen to be a romantic partner but but they're still there to, to mm. help support you so um I think most people uh the, the the sort of the advice I always give to people is to try and set up that network you did it ridiculously early um yeah but, but <laughs> I like the plan <laughs> that is apparent <laughs> um but it just shows that you can get that network in place um and yeah it definitely makes life easier and as we found <laughs> much easier than having no support when Um, And then you referred to sort of not being able to date as you were going through treatment. So actually, I have met a couple of women who have like actually met people and carried on or some people met them when they were pregnant or all through, to be honest. Yeah. um, So what was your view? When did you stop dating? Um, How honest you want me to speak? So it was really hard. um, Even so I was involved with guys or would go on dates when I was trying um because ultimately I didn't know if it was ever going to happen at all even via IVF so it was like well I don't want to cut my nose off to spite my face if I might meet somebody um so yeah I mean I you know I went on a few dates but it was really hard because I'm a real like open person as you know kind of say it as it is heart and sleeve so when you're meeting somebody and you're getting to know them Mm -hmm. to not talk about the biggest part of my life at that point is really difficult but obviously to then land that on someone oh yeah by the way I'm trying for baby is also not the normal conversation that they would learn on a date so I'm trying to think back now but yeah when I was trying kind of couple of guys that um you know maybe I dated um but I just ended up thinking that neither felt maybe like they were a good long-term option so therefore for the short-term gain it just didn't really make sense um when I was pregnant um I don't know this might sound a bit weird but it's just true so you can't include this in the podcast um (laughs) I I I actually felt at a point in my pregnancy I got more attention off guys than ever before but yeah but there is a thing and I have heard this before where I think the whole concept of a woman being pregnant and glowing and all the rest of it, guys can feel quite, find quite attractive. I really don't understand why, because when you're absolutely massive, you really don't feel that way. But yeah, I don't, again, I don't really think that they viewed anything long-term. So yeah, like obviously when I was pregnant, nothing. Um, and then since, well, it's it's obviously a bit of a challenge for, for obvious reasons. So yeah, I just kind of ruled that part out. And I think some of my friends, um, like they were all my friends were on board as were my family but I think my friend's concern at the outset was almost I was ruling that out that that was going to happen and I was like no no actually it's the polar opposite um I'm absolutely wanting that to happen but what I'm not prepared to do is rush it and make a quick decision end up with the wrong person and then create a whole mess for myself Mm -hmm. I just wanted to try and compartmentalize and you know get what I wanted which I was fortunate enough to be able to do and be a mum and then kind of deal with that when when the time felt right really um so yeah I, I I just had to accept the fact that that part of my life was was not really going to happen which actually is quite you know it's not easy it's quite a big sacrifice because when you're going through IUI IVF it's really hard and you know 
even if you're lucky and, and you get pregnant once, it's just such a roller coaster. And the amount of times that I remember speaking to my brother and my sister and I'd have to tell them it was a no and it was just awful. And it was just mm. like Groundhog Day every single time. And then they didn't know what to say because they were devastated for me as well. And it just felt like, like every single time. But then I think as something totally different and not to do with IVF and babies, but as a webinar I was on the other day, humans, it's when I say forget, you don't forget, but you, you do forget a feeling and, and you just, I don't know, you just kind of crack on with it. And, and I think humans just have the ability to do that. And, and yeah, I was really down when I knew it was a no, but then I just continued and continued on, until I got what I want, much I, to my consultants, not dismay, that's the wrong word, but um, an, an amusement is as well. But I think he was just quite perplexed because I didn't really give myself any breaks in between. So apart from when I had the IVF and I had, um, over stimulation syndrome, which I was hugely unlikely to have because my egg count was so low, but that did happen. Um, so then I had to take a break because I needed to recover and my embryos had to be frozen. But the only real break I took because I chose to was actually before I got pregnant with Ruby. And I said to my consultant, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a bit of a break. He went, oh, brilliant, how long? I was like, just one cycle. And he's like, mm, okay, fine, better than nothing. And you know, I think there's various reasons why, why it worked with Ruby, but I definitely think maybe taking a bit of time helped. Yeah, and I think um, it's one of the interesting um, discussion points in terms of when you were saying IUI or IVF, because one of the reasons I went straight to IVF was to manage the journey for myself. So um, I there's statistically a greater chance of getting pregnant um, quicker on IVF, and I thought I'd, I want to be on that roller coaster for a, le a lesser time mm. as possible. Um, yeah. But for all the other reasons you said, like it is more expensive, it is more invasive. But that that was my one of my big parts of it, trying to minimise that. But I think it's important for people to know what a journey it can be because a, a lot of people take a lot of time making that final decision to do it and then start yeah. the trying to conceive journey and don't realize um that it's not a guarantee and actually then that you know that there can be quite a lot of um upset and disappointment and um and and you're going through it on your own and it's um like you said your brother and sister were supporting you but it's hard isn't it because they don't know how best to support you sometimes so yeah it can be it can be a challenge but i think it's good for people to know and to be prepared that when you've made the decision to do it um it's not always straightforward yeah i mean that's almost the easy bit it's not easy but it's almost the easy bit isn't it of kind of weighing it all up your personal circumstances but it's not even started yeah until you really start to try yeah and then just looking forward without giving all your secrets away so um what are you where are you now or where have you been have you tried dating what's your sort of hope for the future um yeah i mean it remains what it was which is i absolutely want to meet somebody and i think most people if they're honest feel exactly the same um for, for lots of reasons and i don't maybe it was because society dictates it i don't know but um it paints quite a nice picture of it doesn't it and it's obviously not all it's it's not all rosy i'm aware of that but yeah no i absolutely do want to meet somebody i think um 
if, if I was um, a challenge or maybe could be difficult at times single without Ruby, then certainly WID presents even more of a challenge for someone. So I've probably made myself even more unattractive and even more unappealing, but so be it because ultimately I, I kind of got what I want um, with Ruby. But yeah, I mean, absolutely. I do um, probably thought I might, because hopefully I'm not giving anything away with you, but I know after Daisy, you you started dating quite soon didn't yeah. you like, yeah yeah and and I th and I remember you saying that when I was pregnant and I was like yeah yeah I'll probably do the same and I didn't um have I been on any dates one one recently actually as you know um one um and there have been like a couple of guys that I've kind of been in touch with but for whatever reasons that they, they weren't the right person mm -hmm. as I've said I typically attract constantly the wrong sort of person on a lot of levels and I, I genuinely want that to change now um, because I've got Ruby and I, you know, without getting too deep, I have definitely made some mistakes when it, when it's come to guys and, you know, I look at Ruby and I think I would hate her to make those same mistakes mm. because um, I, I, because at times it's made me unhappy and really upset. And I, I, I just, obviously you don't want that for your child, do you? Um, so I think there is an element of kind of say, in my head setting a good example, not that Ruby has any clue what I'm doing in my life, but I kind of want to feel like I'm setting a good example and your priorities change. Um, I still want certain things that I wanted, um, and we've talked about this before Mel, but I still want excitement just because I'm 37 and not 21 doesn't mean that I don't want excitement and romance and all the rest because I definitely do um but I probably need a bit more stability than than I've had previously so yeah no definitely definitely intend on um mm -hmm. getting back on the dating scene but equally it's not that easy with with an 11 month old and, and that's the reality isn't it you have to think about babysitting and you know you can't have a babysitter every night it just doesn't work that way so well, yeah. I'd like uh, I'd like to have the option of a date every night Claire <laughs> yeah, <laughs> true. I'm making it sound like I've got a queue of guys at my door that I'm just saying no no it's definitely not the case uh, but yeah you know one or two a week with, with the same person would be nice <laughs> I think um I do think it makes you just think about it more doesn't it because first of all your yeah. time is way more precious yeah so I would I hope this doesn't make me sound awful but I would be like pretty much thinking I'll give it a try this date because yeah. with internet dating you, you don't really know until you've meet, met them do you so no. I'd be like well you know I'm not doing anything else on a Tuesday night let me go on this date whereas now I'm like let me check this is really worth my time investment because my time is more precious so I think probably we're a bit more uh fussy about who yeah. we give our time to and yeah i think it's the practical side of things um which is a bit harder because yeah for you've, you've got to have a babysitter i've been quite creative um on some of my dates like popping out for a coffee in the day or doing yeah. like early evening before nursery type one you know if i just want to do a quick half hour um meet up uh, to to try and not need a babysitter. Um, yeah, no, I think I when you when I met you, you told me about that, and I I think I had it in my head that I'd be going on all these coffee dates at lunches in Manchester. I mean, again, it's it's not quite the reality, but when I last week I did exactly that, and I I went and met somebody for a couple of hours. If anyone's listening, yes, we are in lockdown, but it was a socially distanced walk outside, so it was totally allowed um, with someone that I do know as well, so not a stranger. Um, but yeah so so kind of trying to use that time but yeah you've got to just think and also this might sound really bad but I also think 
not even to do with dating, which is generally who's the best babysitter to have on a certain night. Um, so like if I know that it's going to be a big night and maybe I want someone to have Ruby overnight, then I would prefer that to be a family member because I've got to weigh up the cost element. Like, so I've got to constantly think who's best to have her. And then I'm thinking, I don't want to ask somebody too often, which this makes me sound like I go out like 10 times a month. I absolutely don't. But it, it does become a bit of a logistical nightmare though. And then sometimes it's so stressful trying to sort it out that you just think, God, it'd just be easier if I didn't, if I didn't ever go out. But then if, if, if you enjoy going out, that's not the answer because, you know, it's, it's going gonna, it's, it's gonna to leave you frustrated, isn't it? Um, so yeah, but I like your creative ideas though. I think I could do more of that. <laughs> Uh, my view as well is that um, I um, usually go, if I'm going out in the evening, it's when Daisy is asleep. So yes, I mean, exactly. she doesn't know if I'm out or not. Or care. So she's not losing out on time with you, is she? No. Which I'm also conscious of that. When, when you work and they're at nursery and then you don't get very often to see them in the evening when they're in nursery, then yeah, I, I don't want to not see her at all. Um, yeah, she's asleep. She's no idea. I'd, I'd only been be sitting watching TV. So yeah, so exactly. Time to use. So I think um, the people listening to this podcast are predominantly people who are considering following the same path. Um, yeah. Have you got any words of wisdom for people? Yeah. So I think, <laughs> I think I'll give you a few minutes to think of something. Yeah. So I think that um, what the most common thing people say to me is um, exactly what you've said and how I felt. Um, you know, my... My, I was thinking I was going to do this with a with, with someone else in a conventional way. Um, I'm just going to give it six more months to see if I can find that or another six months. Um, but at least I know this is an option in the future. And and it's when do those six months? How do you make the decision to stop and just exactly what you said, compartmentalize it and say, do you know what, I'm going to do this first and then I'm going to go back. Is there anything you think um, that would help people try to make that decision? I think it's weighing up everyone's personal circumstances, isn't it? And the questions that you asked me earlier about support network, you know, ability to, to support a child um, and to... I, yeah and to kind of look after someone and the stage that you're at in your life like I, I'm considered quite young to have made that decision at 34 um a, a lot of women kind of tend to be more in the early 40s but I know people who are like in the early to mid 20s um in some of the forums that I'm included in that are making this decision and it is absolutely personal choice there is no right or wrong answer and you know there's one thing that a, the last kind of few years have taught me it's not to judge but I just think you, you I feel like I'd lived my life, like in terms of um, socially, holidays, whatever it might be. I thought I'd done quite a lot. So I think it's kind of reflecting on what you've done, where you're at in your life, your support network, and, and definitely speaking to people. I know some people are quite reluctant to do that because they're nervous to speak to people about the decision. But certainly when I spoke to, to my brother and because of the business impact, he confirmed what I was thinking really which was just crack on with it and I suppose again where you're at medically so my egg count and my egg quality was so poor at the age of 34 I had a fertility uh, way over that someone who's 40 so it, that almost made my mind up if that made sense if everything had been a lot better then maybe I would have been in the camp of let's give it six months and I definitely would still not have met anyone and I think also you've got to be honest with yourself when it comes to your 
personal love life. I acknowledge that I have made some mistakes and I've absolutely gone for the wrong types. And could I maybe get that sorted in my head quick enough to then attract the right person? But then I also work through the timescales of, but then if I meet someone, I'm not going to start saying on date two right we need to have a we need to be trying on month three because then it's just it's ridiculous conversation to have and then you don't know if they want kids you don't know if they've got kids you don't know how old they are you don't know if they can have kids there's so many unknowns so for me it was just like no too many unknowns but 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 I, that is partly to do with how my how my mind works I suppose um but I think you've just got to assess all factors in your situation and I would really recommend speaking to um those that you know won't judge you and that, and that know you well enough um to so, so they will probably be able to think whether you'd be able to deal with it and the other thing that I would say and this used to really piss me off by the way and I'm, I'm going to be one of those people and for that I apologize but so many people said to me before in relationships by the way it's so hard which wasn't a matter of they weren't saying don't do it they were just saying it's so hard and it just used to drive me mad I just felt like saying like seriously oh. like it's my decision like stop saying that because for me and again it depends on your mindset for me just because something's hard doesn't mean it's not worth doing I've gone through a load of kind of shit good stuff as well but a load of shit in my life and come out of it the other end so it's hard it's not a good enough reason for me to not do anything in life but it is so hard <laughs> and there is and, and, and there is no getting away from that and no matter how hard I thought it would be it times it by like a hundred and that somebody said something to me um which was to me the truest thing and might sound sexy for me to say this but it was a guy and it, I was quite heavily pregnant at the time I was like oh, thanks, thanks for telling me that um and he had two, got two little ones and he was like look babies will take you kids will take you to places you have never been before both good and bad and and that and, and maybe if people have more patience than I do then then maybe they might not see those extremes but it was the truest thing that anyone's ever said to me because it's relentless for anybody like you've said before even in a relationship it is so relentless with no one to just say please just take her for 10 minutes so you can reduce your stress and how how kind of worked up you are at that moment um but equally literally in a split second she smiles at me and does this massive open mouth smile and all's forgiven so it's such extremes of emotions which you know I, I'm, I'm not the most measured person in the world but even if you are I think you still experience those emotions I don't know if you'd agree with me now I think it's super important to share that because yeah. we, we've got a responsibility to be honest about the reality we don't yeah. want to paint the picture of this fantasy um yeah it is really hard and there are times where you feel honestly it's the tiredness it's the tiredness mm. that i think is is can can be the thing that is the hardest um but exactly it's weighing up um probably every parent will tell you that, that that every parent feels the same and just because someone found it hard doesn't mean it's going to be doubly hard on no. their own and I think it just depends on everyone's individual circumstances um but I'm with you one of the most frustrating things you know when a builder comes round and they're like <laughs> 
oh it's gonna be expensive it's yes yeah. kind of, they're like oh you do know how hard it is and it's like I'm not stupid yeah <laughs> yeah um yeah. I, I, yeah I do know it's going to be hard but people are coming at it from their experience as well they, they're not in your shoes so they don't know how hard you'll find it that's what I thought about. yeah and but but equally and and I can be quite as you've experienced quite tongue-in-cheek with Ruby when when she's driving me nuts but you know I can't I can't imagine a life without her now like you know she, we do everything together she's now my shadow because she's crawling and moving I go to the toilet and she follows me and now and again that can be a bit frustrating when you just want 30 seconds but actually it's just so cute and I think the bond that we've already got it, it, it's amazing it's, it, it is amazing and 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 she is only 11 months old and I've got lots of people that I know who have much older kids that are like it's the best thing that they've ever done and and it is without doubt the best thing that I've ever done so I don't want to take that away from the situation um, and, I'm, and I'm so glad I made the decision and just got on with it but um, like you say it's just about painting and on this picture which is it's, it's incredibly tough as well. Yeah and I, I think something I'm really fascinated on is it, in our heart of hearts both of us knowing our personalities would we have found it loads easier with a guy or would they yeah, have I know. pissed us off and not done enough and not met our expectations and it would have just been different challenges it's hard to know isn't it because we've not been in that situation yeah no I agree I like I said earlier my expectations of myself were always high and unfortunately I tend to transfer those to other people as well um so I, I do feel that that you know that there are some benefits there isn't anyone to kind of let you down if you feel they should do something or say something a certain way um it's your routine it's your structure you make the decisions there's no um there's just there's no arguments from that perspective obviously the result of that is that it can be quite stressful I, I know we're probably tight on time one of the things that I was worried about when she was little was just I don't know like whenever I've had my nephews and my nieces when they've been little I've always gone in and checked their breathing and I've just been obsessed with it because it's just a, a stress and a worry and I, I, I don't and, and I still do that now when I go in every night and I know she's fine because I can hear a noise but I still put my hand on her chest but almost that bit you just get comfortable with and you know and and that bit wasn't wasn't really anything that's that's caused me a lot of stress or anxiety um because because I don't know you, you just get comfortable with it but yeah I, I I think doing it with somebody clearly there would be lots of ways that it would be easier but it would definitely have presented some challenges which which we've not had to face yeah one of my big thing that I well I don't even know if this would be easier my fantasy thing is that when I've done bedtime and bath time I come downstairs and the whole of the downstairs has been tidy yeah. dinner's been cooked would that happen I mean um <laughs> maybe. I don't know how I don't know how PC I should be on this yeah again it's just so easy to look at something through those yeah. spectacles like I love doing bath time but the odd night I'd just quite like someone else to do it um but then would that happen do you know what I mean it's just so easy so because if I look at um like my friends I'm pretty confident that the mums do bath times most of the time um yeah. And, and it is the reality that, and, and lots of my friends will say this, my brother will say it, my sister will say it. When they're little, they always want the mums. It's just, you know, it's, if there's a mum around, they just want the mum. Um, so even with a partner, um, you, you're still going to find, feel that intensity and, and kind of relentless. But it's as with anything, it's so easy to look at another situation and 
think it's perfect, but, but no situation is perfect. Yeah, and it's about, I, I constantly have to remind myself to stop fantasizing. Yeah, I, I do it a lot. <laughs> everything of mine is from films and the romantic rom-coms. Uh, that's how I think everyone else's life operates. Yeah. And I constantly have to be like, it's probably not quite like that. <laughs> yeah, definitely, yeah, so, I agree. Good, oh, well, we'll leave it on that, <laughs> on that note. Lovely to speak to you. Thank you so much for um, sharing your journey. Um, I'm sure lots of people will get a lot from hearing it, people who are considering doing the same thing. Fab, no, thank you very much for having me. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Stalker Life podcast, I'd hugely appreciate if you rate, review and subscribe. I look forward to seeing you again next week.